This is the FinTech Black Podcast Series. We feature influential black and brown leaders and enthusiasts from the FinTech crypto metaverse to pull back the curtain on business, tech, and culture. I'm your host, Athul Prasher, and today I'm blessed to be joined by distinguished guest, Iris Nevins, co-founder and CEO of Umba Daima, and Rob Richardson, founder of Disruption Now Media, as well as many, 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 many other gigs he's got going on in his belt. So I'm going to kick it to both of them. Iris, why don't you run first and let us give, give us a deeper dive into who you are. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, thank you for that great welcome. So I am... Iris Nevins, my background is in technology and community organizing. I am currently a full-time engineering manager uh, at Vox Media. That's my day job. And I got really passionate about tech uh, a few years after graduating from college when I was being, I was a teacher and I was a community organizer. And I decided I wanted to learn how to code so that I could help build dope software that can change the world. Um, so that is what kind of led me into the tech industry. And then I've also had a passion for art and artistry. Uh, my mom's a collector, an art collector. She has beautiful art all over her house and my parents' house. And so um, I started picking up that habit as well. And that led me to the NFT space. Um, those two you know, passions combined, art and technology. And so... I my company is an agency, creative agency that helps to amplify um, black artists in the NFT space. And we also do uh, community building around um, different platforms and different initiatives. Nice. Nice. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, we just found out who the rich one is on, on the pod. OK, kick it over to Rob. Rob, give us a little rundown. Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, and I, I would just say my, my 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 background and what I do always has to do with my story. And I'll give you. I'll give you the cliff notes of it, but uh, long story bearable. Uh, when I was in about the, when I was in the eighth grade, I was, uh, I really kind of got my first motivation to really want to do something with my life. But I had struggled with school uh, before that because I have ADHD and I'm old enough to say back then, uh, Iris is a little younger than me, but uh, you know, back then they called it a learning disability. It's really a learning difference. And you combine that with being in a mostly, uh, white environment with not contra, uh, not not culturally competent teachers. Uh, it's the reason why actually Kaepernick's uh, um, uh, Black Colin and Black and White spoke to me. Like I went through a lot of that being in a world growing up with a, a mostly around white people, then having to figure out how to fit in, then try to figure fit in with black people. Like all all that was part of my experience. Anyway, you didn't want to hear all that, but when I told my teacher all of my dreams and aspirations. Uh, she just basically told me like, well, college is not meant for everybody. You're, you're not going to succeed doing that. Don't set yourself up for failure. So I'm like here in tears. And uh, luckily I got much better advice from my beautiful black mother who, whose words I still uh, use today. And, and they provide me motivation. She said, Rob, you never have to be defined by anyone's low or narrow expectations of you. You define yourself for yourself, by yourself. So fast forward, I've had success. I mean, I got my degree in electrical engineering, I went to law school, uh, but everything that I've done from uh, uh, getting a law degree to being a community organizer as well, to running for office, uh, and now in this space, it's all about disrupting those common narratives and construct, constructs, because I know that I was extremely blessed to have a good support system. I did not grow up poor. Uh, I don't have that as my story. Every Black person doesn't have that as their story. That wasn't my story. We weren't rich, uh, but we were certainly not poor at all, solidly middle class. I had a great support system. I know my situation 
could have turned out differently without that support. So my goal is to really disrupt these common narratives and constructs that people feel like uh, is defining them, is holding them back, and, uh, and and really empower people to fulfill their potential. So that's why I do everything that I've done. And I pivoted into this space uh, just quick, quickly, because I was running for office and I, I, I live in Ohio and Ohio, uh, I ran as a Democrat and Ohio is not very democratic anymore. Uh, and so uh, we, we thought we were a swing state. We're not. Uh, uh, Trump changed that or showed us that. So I thought I needed 1.8 million votes to win. I got 2 million votes and lost by 200,000. Uh, wow. So I was like, all right. So and then I had to say, OK, I'm pivoting because this is how I always this is what I've been literally kind of leading up to. And then I got into the space of really starting a podcast, getting into media. And then I really began to see opportunities in this space with creators and looking at the blockchain economy, looking at Web3 and realizing that uh, not only do we need to do more of what Irish is doing, but we also need to own marketplaces and take as much ownership and as much investment in this as possible, which is why we created uh, Disrupt Art. Uh, to, because we, because because if we're not owning these spaces, we're not narrating. It, we're not narrating and curating the actual content in the marketplace. Um, I mean, we're going to have to be we're we're, we're going to have to be reactive to what others create. And so, uh, my goal is to make sure that I do everything possible with um, the opportunities that I have ha- have had to not to empower more creators and get more people. Uh, into the NFT space, into the blockchain economy, because I believe it has the opportunity to really transform lives and we have to catch up and make sure we're, we're, we're in the game. I love it. I love it. This is why Amari put us together. Um, very quickly, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a tech. Uh, tech was my background, was in the music industry for a while, worked with a lot of urban artists on a lot of the record labels, did a lot of music for a lot of horrible shows on the CW and then all the major networks and a couple of Bollywood films. So, and then now the last 10 years, can, you know, aggregate into really putting it all together and working on projects like this, investing in, I'm trying to empower black and brown people through a lot of the initiatives that we're involved with. And, and we've been doing it. Uh, we invest in tech plays and sports entertainment media. And I love it. I love this space. And now delving deep into this crypto metaverse, especially, I see a lot of opportunities. So now I know why Amari put us together. You, you're both fascinating. Love it. Let's jump in. So this is, Okay, as a benchmark, right, the last decade, and we can probably all agree, we've all seen this everywhere. Uh, the last decade, more information has been created than there had been for, let's say, thousands of years before that. For all of human history, actually. <laughs> all of human history, right? Yeah, that's the stat. Um, right? And then, and so why? And, and then we'll get into that. So more people plus more platforms to both create and then consume and exchange and transact with other folks. And you two can jump in and uh, some other reasons as to why and how much history is yet to be created. Meaning the centuries we've lived before, uh, let's hope Elon and Bezos and all these other cats figure it out. We can live a little, a lot longer and, and then for centuries to come. So data stamps, right? We're getting that with the blockchain and all of this. So we could look at even things like crypto punks as maybe being the cavemen of art, digital art. Right. And then it may be worthwhile to hold some of this stuff moving forward. We're going to jump into a lot because your backgrounds are fascinating. And Rob, you had brought up a good point earlier that we should we should discuss like why you know overcoming the fear of blockchain and web three and then iris you jumped in as well like hey we must organize in web three let's let's delve down that road first yeah it's okay so which question should i answer first (laughs) 
Oh, Rob had Rob had us reading his whole LinkedIn profile. I'm kidding, man. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm like, damn, man, excuse the highlights. I'm playing. I'm, I, I'm kidding. No, it's fascinating. No, it's good. I, it's good. It's, I, that's why I'm deferring my time. Like I've talked a lot. Like I'm trying to be. No, you. I mean, you have a dope background. It's deserving. Uh, so I appreciate okay. it. So, um, okay, Iris, you wanted to start with. Yeah, I love to I love to talk about um, uh, fear of blockchain or organizing. I love to talk about fear of blockchain. Yeah. Actually, fear of blockchain or organizing. I think you know I think there's so many barriers when it comes to understanding blockchain technology, understanding uh, crypto, understanding the different the different platforms, the process of having to like send uh, send tokens from one place to another and all the gas fees you can uh, uh, incur in the process and the delays that happen, right? Like, I feel like it's really kind of an uphill battle, you know? Um, I've seen people have transactions stuck for three, four days. They're trying to get into the NFT space. They're trying to participate in a, um, in a project and they just can't get it just can't do it on time because it's just so, so complicated. Um, so I think that there's a lot of people that uh, are just kind of don't just have a hard time um, grasping the, the the process of onboarding onto these platforms. And so they avoid it. Um, but <laughs> hold on. I'm also realizing really quickly that I'm talking about a different topic. Right. I'm talking about the difficulty of onboarding as opposed to fear of blockchain. Ours is cool. We know you've been drinking. You've been drinking. Hey, it's good. That's what's up. Wait, what you got some whiskey? What whiskey you got over there? What you got some whiskey, right? What is it? Because I need to get some. I'm going to pass it to you, Rob. What do you think about fear of blockchain? (laughs) (laughs) Iris is laying down and recording this at the same time. like, that's playing. So, you know, I think um, Iris makes some, some good points about the frustration of the process. I think that's less of the issue, though, from from my from my standpoint, because I think once you get people started, usually they can they'll come back. I think the harder part is getting people get, getting people's mind to say they should do this, because I, I think there are several things going on from my perspective. Uh, so one and you're, you're going to talk about this later, but I, I think it's related is that people think that like, oh, this is this is some type of scam. I can't tell you how many people I'm sure Iris has been there like, oh, you're in that. You're isn't that isn't that just isn't that a scam? They think. Anything with crypto is a scam. They think NFTs are a scam, um, and it's because of, there's there's a, there's a lack of it's a fear, it's a misunderstanding too uh, of being in the process. And they do think and look, and I tell people there are there definitely are scammers in this. But hey, look, uh, players going to play, haters going to hate, scammers going to scam. Scammers are going to be where the money <laughs> is. That's period. There's money in this, so scammers are coming. That's my first point. My second point is, oh, banks don't scam, right? Oh, that never happens, right? Shit. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, so you want to put all of your trust in, in, in a whole system that almost this is how Bitcoin started, that almost wiped out the entire financial system because they were they were so greedy and they all and they did fail. And it was nothing but fraud. And it was my father calls it legal organized crime, which is what it was like. You had financial institutions doing legal organized crime. And they all still got to stay rich uh, while everybody else paid the price. So making people understand uh, the basics of blockchain is what I try to do. So there's nothing more than a way to share information. And people tell me that they're fearful of it. You know, I try to get them to understand. So, okay, you don't trust it. Okay, like, why do you trust money? 
And then I get them to really kind of understand that money is nothing more than the construct that was started. And depending on how much time I explain that to them. And the other part I explain to them is NFTs, even if you don't like cryptocurrency, NFTs is a way to have a digital fingerprint. I try to make it as easy mm. as possible. It's a digital fingerprint to keep track of an item, a piece of art, and it cannot be changed. It cannot be duplicated. So it allows us to track making things valuable because now you can track things and know who, own, who who's ever owned it and you know, and it cannot be changed. And so that technology, I try to get people to understand though, so that this is not a hard concept that people make it out to be. Yes, there's some technicalities, but it is not hard. And I also try to sell them like, okay, people told you, you listened to all these banks and institutions that told you Bitcoin was evil. How you feel now? Had you put a thousand dollars in, you know how much money you'd have right now when Bitcoin started? So my thing is I learned from that because I thought like them too then, like I had that a little bit of skepticism I'm learning my lesson. Like, okay, listen, yeah. let's let's get on this opportunity because this is creating lots of opportunities, lots of wealth for people that previously didn't have any wealth. So I want to make sure that people don't have that fear. And, and my goal, I don't know, Iris's goal is to make this as easy as possible to make people understand this is not as hard and as technical as people make it out to be. Yes, there are some things you need to know, but first we got to get their mind shift to say, I yeah. can't do this because it's too technologically hard. It's not. And I can't yeah. do this. And I can't trust it. Yeah. You can't trust you know, it more than you can, I, I as much as you can trust the bank. You can trust it more than the bank. I'll tell you that. About Absolutely. Crypto that's, that's is that people say some people say it's it's a, mar- a multi-level marketing scheme. Right. It's a pyramid scheme. And, you know, I think some of the criticisms of MLM schemes are definitely valid. But if you think about it, right, like. Pretty much all investments, whether it's real estate, whether it's like natural resources, whether it's, you know, money, currency, like it, it, its power really just comes from how people value it. And the, that that power increases over time as more and more people value it. If And you so you need more people coming in and valuing Facebook and valuing Google and valuing New York City property in order for the value of it to increase. And so and at any moment, if people decide, like, screw New York, we don't like it anymore. And everybody leaves like a lot of people are going to lose their money. So, you know, it's like Bitcoin, crypto. It's really not that different. Mm -hmm. The, the, The thing is that now. A regular person, a regular group of people, a small town or a group of 10,000 people in a Facebook group can decide what they think is valuable and 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 create like create that value and then trade it amongst themselves. And I think that that is like so revolutionary. And I feel like that is what governments are afraid of, because now we don't have to look to governments and and, you know, these these elite business institutions. Now we don't have to look to them to, to, to tell us, like, what is valuable and what isn't. We can decide it for ourselves and we can put our money behind it um, and, and make ourselves rich in the process. It's the coolest thing ever. And, and I'll put a one line on there, two lines. So probably 50, 60 percent of the projects could be. Not scams, but they just may not materialize to anything, right? Everyone's trying everything. So I look at this whole it's crypto. Probably more than that to me. So, I, yeah. I always say eighty or ninety, but you guys look like you might push back. So I'm like, right, I'm no, gonna put that. I in think later. it's eighty or ninety, and, and, and I think <laughs> I think I mean, it's eighty or ninety for sure. It definitely, it, it definitely is on that point. Really quick, I know you make it. I just, yeah, I just yeah. have a point I like to always say on that. This, this, we are in a bubble. There is, it is definitely a bubble. 
but bubble only bubbles only matter to speculators. There was a dot com yeah. bubble as well. So yeah. the truth is, are you so you have to seek to create value, and if you're creating value uh, in the long run, you'll be fine. But if you're trying to just purely speculate, and again, as Iris said, speculation is part of the financial game. Like yeah. that's what people do. People are going to do that. That is human nature, and that's just going to happen. But at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of value in cryptocurrency. Uh, because you don't, as Iris said, it doesn't have to be one central bank that controls an organization. It's a, it's a, it's decentralized. So no, no one yeah. entity gets to determine and, and keep all the money or just be greedy. We get to decide that as a community and, 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 and that's what makes it powerful. So as long as you're creating value with your project, as long as you're creating value with your application, like I said, our goal at Disrupt Art is not, is to be Amazon, not pets.com. You can ask Jeff Bezos. You can ask Jeff. You can ask Jeff Bezos about those bubbles, right? His stock yeah. went from one hundred and three um, to six six dollars, yeah. uh, and then it, it it was tanked for a while. But they knew the value they were creating, and I know people that have Amazon stock and are very mad that they gave it up. I still got some. Just playing. I'm just trying to hang out with Iris over here. See, now that I know her background, I was playing. <laughs> I was playing. No, and another thing. This is venture capital. This is venture funds happening in real time, right? The crypto, the protocols, the currencies. Because look, in venture, in my in my world, we have a seven to eight, nine year horizon with a with our fund, and then with the companies, about five to seven years per company. Let's say. But this all is happening. Boom. It's break. We're, we're breaking shit. <laughs> we're just trying to get, get past and we're, we're trying. We're being very innovative in the crypto space, but then everything's going to fall. So Bitcoin and Ethereum based projects right. are like uh, uh, on Ethereum, I should say those two, they, they ride the volatility, right? It keeps happening. Um, all these other altcoins, often there's a new set of altcoins every time there's a new dip and then a new high, right? So just take that into consideration. Uh, Solana and Cardano are coming for Ethereum as far as like their transaction rates, but we'll, we'll get into that. What did NFTs do? And this is, I want to bring it back to Iris and, you know, in Rob's world. It ushered in a whole new class of mainstream consumers, right? That entered this crypto space because now the, it was, it brought the cultural aspect into it, right? NFTs brought this cultural aspect. So then many people could relate. They're like, oh, I, li- I like this digital art. I can get down with this. I didn't understand the crypto and the protocols and, and the currency side of it, but this makes sense to me. So they're setting up crypto wallets in alarming rates, right? And that's great. So it, it, like anything else, get get, get involved in, in whatever capacity you can and support the creators that, you know, and, you know, that you love and, and then globally, you know, it's a truly a global beautiful effort uh but support your community support the communities that you want supporting you and then that's how this thing's going to flourish i'll kick it back to you either one of you to take that down for a little bit but this is it's a whole it's new world now. I, I think nfts is and it's not just u.s centric right i have encountered you know in in in, in my life at this point um i i think nfts I the difference between NFTs and crypto, or sorry, the NFTs and, and your currencies like ETH, Bitcoin, Solana, et cetera, is that it allows like a person to create an asset and or a community to create an asset um, that is unique. And it's that uniqueness that is just like exactly. means that now you have all these unique people in the world that can like take that uniqueness and turn it into an asset and 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 sell it to people and have people value it. And I think the fact that it's not just artists that can use it, it's really anybody who has something to offer. 
um, something that they can create or provide to the public or to their community is, is, is like you, you can now take that thing and you can own it and you can do stuff with it way easier than ever before. So that's what I'm excited about. I think, you know, the artist use case is really just the beginning. I think we're, we're, we're going to go way, way beyond that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. One beautiful thing is just to piggyback on what, what you're both saying is so Van Gogh back in the day was giving away his art for free or to pay rent. Now it sells for millions, but his estate never gets to touch any of that capital, any of those gains, right? With what you're both saying is now it's now we have it locked. You can actually create the contract, smart contract, so then you can be mm-hmm. paid, in, paid in perpetuity. You can get any kind of royalty or commission that you want every time it exchanges hands. And that's dope. Right. So I'm, I'm looking at this from because uh, I used to be in the music space I'm, and we're looking at a lot of projects here. Let's say Drake or somebody wants to put on a new track, but wants their fans involved. Right. So I'm going to release this hot track. You can actually have the fans finance that track and yep. then they get to share in all the royalties that come for decades. Right. Yep. Um, that that's dope. <laughs> I love it. No, that is that is that. I mean, I think there's a there's there's just the whole world of possibilities. <clears throat> Make a couple points. One, um, I'm going to I'm going I'm to I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> contradict what I said a little bit earlier, but in terms of this, well, I'm not going to, it's it's a bubble, I believe right now in terms of how hot things are, but long-term, I still think more value is going to be created just like .com. More Mm. value has been created over time. So if you look at the numbers, you know, we've done right now this year uh, for NFT trades is at 11 billion. It's probably over. Last time I checked, it was about $11 billion worth of trades that might be a little higher right now. Uh, but you look at how much the U.S. alone spends on art and economic uh, art, art, art and culture. It's a trillion dollars just about. Right. So when yep. you think about where we are in terms of just the beginning of this, it's 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 a lot. Uh, so I, I think we we're nowhere near uh, the peak of this. I just think it's, it's heated up very quickly. And there's a lot of speculative projects that, as you said, don't have value. And, and then because I think there's a lot of people that are in this space that have never seen uh, a crash. They've never, there, there a lot of, there's a lot of younger people with mm-hmm. money. First time they had it like, it's going to keep going up forever. It's going to keep going up forever. It's not <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's going to, yeah. right. And then it's going to crash at some point because <laughs> people are just going to see it and, and, and something will happen. And then some people might panic. Right. Um, and then you're going to, and then that's going to cause probably something in the space to, to, to calm down for a while. But long-term, there's no doubt that the value of NFTs will really change the game for how communities interact It'll change the game for for artists uh, and artists are going to be able to really interact with their fans because now you can own this piece like versus it could easily be copied uh, yeah. di- digital or dig- uh, the Web 2, as you as we as it's called right now, actually devalued creative content because yeah. uh, you could easily copy it. Then no one could tell who owned it. So then there was then that made the then you really couldn't value it. You know, now, like we have a photographer coming on who has uh Pictures of Aaliyah, some historic, some really historic mm. hip hop figures, really good stuff. And he used to post stuff of Aaliyah, and then the fans would figure out, even take down his watermark and repost it. Like, and then there's nothing he could really do. You know, now you can repost all you want, but the NFT says this is the digital fingerprint of who owns it, and and these are the yeah. only true owners. And now that acts as an entry point. It also acts as an entry point for. Uh, you know, organizations like the NBA, NFL. So instead of having their tickets sold uh, on the secondary market where they get none of it and they don't know, and it's maybe they mark up the price of thousand dollars, you can now build a smart contract and now they'll get every time that resells, they'll get 10%. But what really excites me 
is the ability of communities to organize. And this, that's why I really got into this space. So when you think about what a DAO can do, which is easiest way for me to say this is one big smart contract. And you have a governance. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a governing board of directors that you could determine what happens and not one central person like Facebook right now. We know uh, if you started off in web 2.0 and you were old enough and I'm unfortunately old enough to remember all this, when Facebook started, it started off very organically. People loved it. You could really connect with people in a way you couldn't before uh, that you couldn't before. And then, you know, because they were a centralized organization, oh, overnight they changed the rules to say, well, you're not going to be able to see everybody's feed. Oh, you're not going to be able to connect with that person like that. Oh, we're going to bring up all these ads to figure to, to, to really direct you and almost manipulate you in a way uh, so we can keep you engaged. And, 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 it, and, it, and it didn't become about connecting the world like Facebook said anymore. It really became about, well, how do we get people just to stay on and stay addicted and that became what it was. And that really, uh, you know, that really ruined it for a lot of people, obviously. Uh, but that but, you know, Web Web three allows us to say, no, we get to determine what the rules are for our own Facebook. <clears throat> Web three allows us to say yeah. that when Uber interrupted taxi cab drivers and really changed the whole game there, Web three can interrupt Uber where drivers can get together to say we through a smart contract, we get to decide what the rules are. We are gonna, we're going to give each other uh, fair, fair wages and we're going to make sure that we protect our, 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 our citizens who are driving our cars, so on and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for disruption, hopefully in a good way that's more community oriented. That's only if, though, people like Iris, uh, people like people like you, Abdul, people like myself are involved and, and intentional about being inclusive when we create these platforms, when we create these marketplaces, because just because we have technology like Microsoft created a racist bot. How did they do that? They did it because they just they had a they had an AI machine listen to Twitter. Have you been on Twitter? Right. They had on Twitter and they had some of the most obviously people say a lot of racist stuff and it wasn't wrong. People are racist. So, but if you don't have somebody in the front end with the technology mm. and, are, and you're intentional about it, garbage in is garbage out. You can say yeah. that, that we have all this ideal because what I what annoys me about the NFT space is everybody is talks as if we're going to live in a yeah. utopia because of this. No, we're not. We're not. We're all, it's, mm. it's a tool and it can be used for both good and it, and it can be used for yeah. bad. Depends there's on some scary things that can come out of it long term, racism, right? If you're talking about communities, there's some like scary communities that can be built too. That's racism, an unfortunate hatred, hiccup. Nazism, but, yeah. all the way down to implicit bias, it's all deadly. Implicit bias is deadly. You put it in a self-driving car, it's going to kill people. You know what I mean? Like you put it in a self, like yeah. you, it, it's at the end of the day, like we want to have yep. The, yep. the the benefit of technology is it helps to free up our time. We can use it to automate tasks, to automate work so that we can be more effective, more efficient and have more time. Right. Like I feel like that's what we should be moving towards as a society is to be able to live good lives or we have the time and technology is helping to manage the the day-to-day functions of keeping keeping us alive and keeping the earth healthy, et cetera. And um, but that 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 technology is going to, if you're gonna give it that much power, it needs to be fair. And I, you know, I I feel like people just don't so many people, they they don't mean harm. They're just uneducated and they just they really don't know any better. Um, I think that's the case for the vast majority of people. And then it just bleeds over into our tech. 
Great. This is the first time Web, I think Web 3 will bring Web 1. There's the OGs from Web 1 are jumping into this space. So they're one, two, one, two, they're down in the trenches with the Web 3, the young cats or whoever's endorsing, financing it. It's going to be beautiful, I think. You're going to see a lot of maybe legacy brands coming back into like, so like, let's look at Rolling Stone announced that uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, you know, they launch in five, six, I think, no, actually two or three are already like, you know, publicly announced. And I think up to seven are going to be announced like digital art covers with like slight digital books. Yeah. I think Rolling Stone is probably not to put anything, you know, they're past their peak as far as what they did in the media publishing world, but they could be relaunched here. I'm, I'm thinking about from Absolutely. my childhood, like the, you know, the Janet Jackson, what to do with the jazz hand, you know, the, the shaky hands from back from the behind that cover, Michael Jackson, Madonna, all these great pieces that you could relaunch in this space and who who wouldn't want to have some ownership in that space i think there's gonna be a great opportunity nike last year hired a software guy as his ceo he came from ebay and then um uh, the other the other joint because they knew what the the future was and they're dropping nfts like with travis scott can you imagine there's young cats that i've talked to that said they would pay as much for a you know an nft of travis scott's shoe drop as they would for the actual thing i'm sure let's flip and let's flip it up here so Lamborghini. There was there was an article I was reading. There's a Lamborghini. So let's say a new one costs like 350k. There's an NFT of that same Lamborghini that was the same price point. And then the do some guy and said to that person who was buying, it, said, "You're crazy. Why won't you just buy the real thing?" He goes, "Well, only one of these is going to go up in value." I'm like, "Damn. Okay, that's something to think about, right? The car's not, <laughs> you know." Um, so and if you can create like a story around it, and this NFT is in Iris, you're probably the best to jump in this because you're from this world. But I- I don't know. No, no, but check this out though, right? So if I, I don't know, I, I feel like that example, people like that though, those are the kinds of people that they only buy things for status. Sure, so like, sure. Of course, a three hundred fifty thousand dollar NFT is the same as a three hundred fifty thousand dollar car because they're only buying it for the status. Um, I just wanted to point that out that not everybody has. That, that that value system. But I would think a lot of people even buying like a $2,000 NFT of shoes, that's a flex as well, right? It's just a flex in their domain. Um, let's, Iris, I want to take you down in this, and you, I would love for you to give some info on this one. So like, so back in the day, physical art hanging in King Arthur's castle, if the castle burned down but the art survived, that art piece has history tagged to it and that increases its value, perceived value. And NFTs, same thing. If like LeBron or for me, a dude that's from Chicago, like if a Jordan had touched my NFT at some point, I will, that's a value to me. So I'll pay up for that. Right. So creating stories and not creating your community, but creating stories, you have to curate your own art. And that's kind of what you do. Right. So give us some examples around that or give us, talk us down that lane for a moment. Curating and curating and creating a story around it. Right. Cause that the value of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We, we actually just dropped our first NFT. Um, we've been involved in, in a lot of projects, um, either by like individual artists or by platforms. And that story is so important. I think the, the, there has to be, there has to be a, a, there has to be something behind the NFT that people connect to. Right. And that they feel uh, they can identify with enough to want to actually spend the time to learn more about it and go through the 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 process of getting it everything from like having to pay attention to when it's going to drop and maybe having to bid or like sacrifice money or like pay high gas fees or you know take a break off from work so you can go catch this drop before it drops out like there's a there's almost a sacrifice that you have to make 
Um, so you want to create a story that makes people feel like that sacrifice is worth it and they're going to get something out of it. And when that story is not well communicated, I think uh, projects tend to suffer. And also when people don't give the project enough time to get that story out there. Right. You have to get it out there to a lot of different people. And that can is similar to like a political campaign almost. You know, you got to you got to make your rounds and like go around to different communities and let them know what you're about. Let them know what you're trying to accomplish. And we see a lot of people fail because they don't want to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And I and I I have to. And because I'll have to to leave in five minutes, I want to definitely get a couple things in that I that I want to say that, um, you know, one of your rapid fire questions I want to get to it because it ties into ties into what we're talking about here. So in terms of uh, books, I, w- I, w- I would recommend. So there's a book called Sapien. And then mm-hmm. there's another but there's another book called um, Why Nations Fail. And and these two things yeah. are are really, I think, great books for understanding why blockchain is necessary and why it works. Um, and so the, the, the so I'll start with Sapiens very quickly. Um the one, the one, the one part in there I really want people to, to 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 pay attention to is money. Money is so interesting when you think about it. It's it's the one thing that that is translated everything, right? It doesn't mean it's the most valuable thing, but in terms of what it, it translates, it translates across religions, it translates across uh, uh, regions, continents, and the whole idea of money. I mean, it didn't matter. You didn't have to speak the same language or anything, but everybody accepted money. You know, religion asks us to believe in something else. Money asks us to have other people believe in something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we and so money started off as uh, in about 3000 B.C. in Samaria as barley. It was like straight barley. You would go around it's food and that's how you get food and you would, you would get a certain amount of food to get stuff. That's how money was traded. And then obviously it has all types of problems, right? Because trying to carry around a bunch of barley to do stuff that 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 that's not going to do much for you. Money didn't really become transformative until it didn't have inherent value. So gold and silver really have no inherent value either. People think it does, but yeah. it only does because the elite said that it did. That's the only reason gold and silver have value had value. And then other coins that weren't gold and silver only had value because institutions controlled them. So it allowed a system of trust to know, okay, we know this is going to be backed up because we know that we're going to get our money back and we know who owes what and somebody's keeping track of this. Blockchain eliminates all that because everybody can see who owns it. Nobody can hack it. And that's why it works. And so when people talk about money, the only reason why you, there's nothing in a dollar bill, it's whatever. You trust it because you've been programmed to trust it. And people have to know that, right? And then Why Nations Fail very, very quickly. It's a great book to understand how complicated and complex and how hard it is to change institutions when they go a certain direction. Because once once institutions, and there are many complicated reasons for it, there's a reason why America is doing better. And it's not because people are smarter and things like that. It's because of certain situations, points in time, and, and, and systems and like institutional habits were set up. And other areas like South America, other institutional habits, it was totally extracted. And those things are staying there. Same thing in Africa, because they were colonized and everything else, but when Africa got took uh, when it when it when when they transitioned to actually have an Africans rule it, they just started being extractive, even more extractive, because it's very hard to change systems, no matter how good of intentions you have. Because if you try to, you usually get taken out in your own system. So blockchain allows an opportunity where no no we 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 have a 
uh, we have an artist in Nigeria where Nigeria is they, they try to really suppress their creators. They say they're not, but they do. And they try to suppress the economy because it challenges their power. But blockchain, they can't like, they can't they can't they can't shut it off. They can't shut off those opportunities. That's why it's so important. We can have these theoretical conversations, but there are people in sub-Saharan Africa that cannot get access to banks and the banks are coming. So do they not deserve the opportunity to, to, mm. to, to, to thrive? No, they do. And um, my goal, Iris's goal, and I think a lot of people's goal in this, in this, in this economy is to make sure that they have access and opportunity. So I thank you for the time because I have to go at seven. It was appreciate good. It. I appreciate talking to you. I'd love to come back. Iris, I look forward to we're talking tomorrow. Iris and I are gonna help change the world together too. Yes. I look forward to it. He only gave me fifteen minutes though for the meeting. Oh, it'll Damn. be <laughs> no, no, it'll be that's just, it'll be longer than that. I, 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 I was like, really? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a default. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> it'll be longer than that. I promise. Iris, just because you showed you and I showed up with whiskey, we're kicking him off. That's what's actually happening today. I'm playing. I'm playing. Yes, <laughs> we're about to have some fun. You mind if I keep you for a couple more minutes, Bye. Iris? Not, not okay. at all. Okay, I appreciate you staying through it. Um, first of all, let's jump into what you're drinking, man. What, what are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I understood the assignment. I said, show up with a drink of choice, and you did. I did. Uh, Rob forgot. That's why he had a, he had a bounce. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rob is great. <laughs> um, so you're gonna laugh, but it's the it's the peach tea whiskey. Okay. That I mentioned earlier, and it's red Gatorade. Oh wait, you <laughs> you mixed it? Yeah. Uh, wait, are you are you eighteen? <laughs> are you, are you no. What's going on here, man? <laughs> no, no, but uh, I'm 29. I'm, no, I didn't. Ask, I didn't mean to ask. Um, I'm just saying. About to be about to be 30. <laughs> so I'm still a kid, but I'm not a kid kid. Yeah. Um, but we don't drink drink. Uh, we don't drink juice in my okay. house. So the only thing that I had to mix it with was like some old Gatorade that someone left here that's like sitting in our pantry. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I don't think I usually I'm just a either a straight shots person yeah. or wine okay. and we have no wine. Okay. So I was like, let me make a quick. So I'm going to tell you something. Quick Gatorade I cocktail. I love it. I love it. So, hey, do what you got to do, man, to get you there. Um, so I'm going to tell you something like you're going to think is moronic and ironic at the same time. I never put anything in my whiskey or scotch like Coke or juice or anything because you know why because i think it makes it unhealthy <laughs> and, <laughs> and i but i don't you know when i was in my 20s i would drink like i would mix like you know we'd start off jack and coke then we drank black label where i'm from people drank johnny walker black and after you get a sophisticated palate like single malts then you're like oh that was garbage we grew up on <laughs> drinking that before and um, so now i i don't i take an ice cube uh, you know uh that's what we do on, on the whiskey podcast we do every time i, I take one cube and we say Real whiskey, yeah. real talk. But that's great. I did. I got lazy. I, like I got that. lazy. So I did. Um, and, and my guys from my other pod are going to laugh at me because I do this all the time. I took Koval. It's a well, I, I was fl- flipping between two. Oban is my go to. Oban, O-B-A-N, uh, the 16. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, with just one one rock. But I did Koval. Uh, it's a it's a Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago. I've been here out here in the East Coast for 18 years, but I'm originally from Chicago. As you can see, this mm-hmm. the goat hanging behind me, Jordan. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, you're younger, so you might not think he is. Uh, you may not even know who he is. <laughs> no, I. Mike, you're talking about Michael. Well, yeah, Jordan? you see the shoe, right? Right. <laughs> you see. Oh, yeah, you, so I don't. I don't really pay attention to shoes or anything, but I know how important. Okay, he is. thank you. Um, that's all. I, and I don't. I actually don't know so little about sports that I actually don't have no idea who is the next Michael. 
Is there one? Okay, so wow. Okay, and this is fun. You know what? This is it. LeBron. Man, come on, he, LeBron's <laughs> like no. I'm saying no. So he's he's the greatest. Kobe. I, I would say so. You know what? I, I used know. to think it was Michael Jordan, then LeBron. It's number two. But after seeing Last Dance Again, which really helped me, so it was a 10-part series about Michael George's last year with the Bulls, right? That last championship where all kinds of shit was going on. Pippen was being a, uh, for lack of, how do you be PC? He was just being a biatch. He was just being, you know, he was like fighting about everything. He was hurt and he was just causing a lot of ripples in the team. So Michael Jordan was kind of running solo with the rest of the team. So after seeing that again, I just, um, I think I would put Kobe number two. Just because Kobe and Michael came into the league with that swag, ready to win. And they, and you know, um, but Kobe had Shaq for the first three rings, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he was the most, and okay. Jordan kind of made the, the big man obsolete for about a decade because he could get around him, mm-hmm. which up until then. Who? You're talking about so, Shaq? So Michael Jordan, right? He, Who's the big so man? I, I'm going to get to it. So Shaq. So Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, so the centers were always winning MVP for decades in the NBA. Right. And then Michael Jordan got yeah. in the league. He made them obsolete because basically you put a tall dude in the middle and nobody can get by you. Right. Well, he was able to shake and juke him out and he got it. Right. He had he had he had swerve. And then he had he just he, he had he, a next level stuff. And they were amazing players back then. People just don't remember. Right. And I get it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but then and then Kobe and then Shaq came in who had pretty good ball skills and was huge. And he could just dominate if he had Mike, if he had Kobe Bryant's work ethic. Like, you know, Shaq, they could have won like 30 rings, <laughs> I feel. But thank God he didn't because I always wanted my Michael dude, my Michael dude in front. Anyway, that's a long, that's a long tangent. Let's get back to crypto or whatever we're doing. So I, I like your drink. And you, yes. you mentioned the drink, right? It's still, uh, say it again, mm-hmm. the name of it. Still house. Okay. And mine was, mine's Koval, K-O-V-A-L. It's distilled in Chicago. That's how we got on the Jordan thing. That's it. Um, and, and I, I kind of know the owners now and they're kind of dope, but between those two, I float. It's a nice light taste. Um, where, let's, where, where should we go? I want to piggyback we'll on what you and Rob both said. So another thing to give people confidence about why this space will not just go away within three days and you can get past, there are a lot of scams and weird projects out there. But one thing that gives you some confidence, if you look at Coinbase, I invest in Coinbase, right? So Coinbase is a marketplace. You can buy all the coins. The crypto's on there and they're launching their whole NFT program where you can buy and trade a marketplace for NFTs, which is right in your lane. Coinbase's volume was up, but their revenues were down, which is a good thing long term. And I'll tell you why. And this is going to give people confidence to stay in this world. That means institutional investors, which is like bankers versus people like you and I maybe like investing solo or when I'm through the fund, it's different. But like what if I'm just investing retail like myself? That's solo. We have to pay typically higher fees. Mm-hmm. Institutional investors have to pay a lot less because they're doing bulk generally, right? Or, or far more capacity. So that means if their mm-hmm. volume was up or their revenues went down, that means there's a lot more institutional money coming into this space and buying up a lot of this space. So it's going to be volatile, but there's a lot more people. So the floors will be mm-hmm. higher. I mean, it won't crash and burn to zero or like mm-hmm. in 2017 went down to like 1000 or whatever it was for Bitcoin, I'm saying. I don't. It went down to like oh, even yeah. below, right? And and Ethereum went down to like a hundred something I, bucks. I was, my cousin was it in was it. Was bad. My cousin back then, two thousand seven. He's like, "Man, you're a jackass. You should get into this." I'm like, "I don't even know what this is, man." Because <laughs> I'm a, I was in the I'm in public and private markets. I'm investing in companies, startups, and then the public markets, stocks. Uh, I'm a big tech dude. Amazon, Apple, all that. But then now, two thousand nineteen, I'm like, "Okay, you you're onto something. I got to get in it, in on this." So two thousand twenty, I really started picking up. I'm. I'm in deep now. <laughs> Let's hope it works mm-hmm. out. But get get back. So t- tell us about your you, you have what you're doing with your 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 company. It's amazing. I love it. I went on your website. It's dope. And the virtual mm-hmm. museum. 
what you call it? The 3D virtual museum? Because it's the best way to mm-hmm. describe it. Yes, that was the Unseen Gallery. So it's a it's a virtual 3D building that has eight rooms. It has uh, five exhibit rooms, two lounges, and a theater. And so this is our new virtual space where we can host virtual exhibits and also events and film screenings. Uh, and so we just, yeah, we just launched our first exhibit in that space. We're really excited about it and we want to build on it and, you know, kind of like deck it out over time. But yeah, uh, it, the company itself is Umba Daima. We're a creative agency and we so far have been just doing a lot of different things to try and figure out how we can leverage the NFT space in a way that facilitates equity. And for us, equity is like racial equity um, and closing the wealth gap. Mm-hmm. Right. I think at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of oppression is rooted in lack of power and power in our society has to do with how many resources you have. You know, it's it's, it's a lot easier to defend yourself if you got money. So (laughs) (laughs) um, or land or something. So (laughs) um, so so, yeah, so so we see NFTs and in the crypto space as a way to to give people um, the tools that they need to create their own economies and their own power. And um, and so, yeah, we were just kind of testing things out because it's new. We don't have a bunch of money. We're not a bunch of rich, rich people that can just kind of pull money for any idea. Um, so we, we had, we launched black NFTR initially to help amplify black artists and NF and people in the NFT space. Um, then we did our first exhibit along with an incubator program for artists. And we started getting into consulting where we do community building work, mm. uh, that's social media management, discord setup and management, online events. Um, and so we've just can be kind of testing things out. And now we're in a place where we feel like we have a clear idea of a clear understanding of the problem that communities face specifically, right? Communities face in entering the NFT space. Mm. Um, and, and it's, it's lack of funding at the end of the day, you know, most of these NFT projects, whether it's board apes, whether it's, um, you know, cool cats, whether it's the the toads project or world of women or ON one force, these projects take anywhere from 50 to a hundred thousand dollars in capital investment. Mm. Like end of story. You have to hire a team of people who can go, who can do everything from the project management to high, finding and hiring the artists to finding and hiring the developers that actually write the code that generates the mm. art, right? Um, to writing the custom co- smart contract, all of that, to building a whole community over the course of, you know, three to six months. It costs money. And so you have these amazing generative projects that are that are really exciting activations. And it's only people who have money that can really kind of get those projects off the ground. And so that means people of color, communities of color are not going to be able to do projects like this unless they get funding. So that's really our next um, our next vision. Our next goal is to be able to actually produce really amazing community centered projects that are focused on the long term, that are not speculative, that are not focused on just kind of selling out and making a lot of money in one day, right? It's really about the long term, the long term vision and, and long term 
growth. I love it. I love it. So, and you're thinking about doing maybe a, like a 10,000 NFT collectors drop at some point or something, or maybe smaller? Yeah. So we, um, so we just dropped our first NFT 500. Okay. We have a generative project that we're in the working on right now with, with a, another really amazing uh, studio in the, in the space that we're hoping to drop next year. That one will probably be, be somewhere between six and six and 10,000, okay. right? Like a, like a full blown generative drop and that we don't need funding for. Like we've already kind of got that okay. set up. Right. Um, but in terms of what we're trying to do next is we want to start, and this is, we haven't made a public announcement about this or anything, but basically we want to start um, collaborating with existing communities on NFT projects. And, and we would, so we would, we would determine the number that's dropped based on the size of the community. If the community is 50,000 people who are organized on Facebook and they're engaged and they have leadership and they're really excited about the thing they share in common. Maybe it's Grey's Anatomy, right? Maybe it's Harry Potter. Yeah. Maybe it's like dogs, maybe whatever it is, we can develop something that fits that community. And so maybe we drop 20,000. Why hasn't, why NFTs. hasn't an, like a, so a well-known celebrity, I, I imagine that's coming like ASAP. <laughs> a well-known celebrity said, I want five to take their face make a character share of it and then do a 5,000 versions of it, like goofy ass shit, right? If, especially if a comedic person or whatever, or someone dope, why, why isn't that happening yet? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's coming. I'm, I'm confident that it's coming. I'm confident that people are working on it. I also think there has the, the, the NFT space has built enough of a culture that, celebrities i think know they have to move a certain way okay this is not a space where you can just show up and be really successful i think certain people the still community have that. has made that okay clear. really so like why who, who have they pushed back on so I'm, i imagine if kanye came in and he's crazy as ass is he's chicago dude I, I i'm just gonna say that right he's he's crazy as hell he's always been that way yeah um yeah people would accept it because he's just reached beyond you know, he's a cultural icon. Yes, he would. And he would sell out. And, he, and I think he's going to. <laughs> but but without without and he will without much effort, he will sell okay. out. But I don't think that his project will last. Meaning. And I think that I, I think that he would be able to, let's say, do a 10,000 PFP drops. It, it sells out in three minutes. Right. The value of it spikes. Floor jumps to like two E. And then it falls okay. apart. Interesting. Unless he actually chooses to 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 run a a campaign that's rooted in the values of the space, okay. right? And so I, I I think that that has been. I think most of these celebrities who are smart know okay. that. I think the ones who aren't smart don't like. I think Lil Uzi Vert. Mm -hmm. It's a little Uzi. Did an NFT a generative project the other day. They dropped it. They made a bunch of money, and then apparently they like yeah, dipped out. It was, they yeah, disappeared. I heard about it. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think that these celebrities want to be associated with something like that. They know that it's going to be real work to sustain this over the long run, and so I think a lot of them are just planning. In his majority right of that They're work, like, that that consistent work down the lane. So let's let's say the drop happens. Is the most work after that for the celebrity is. Continuing to curate the story around it? 
Is that what it is or what else? Just for understanding for our folks. I think, yeah, I think continuing to curate the story, continuing to find ways to give it value. Mm -hmm. Because even if, let's say, uh, let's say you're Rihanna and somebody buys your NFT for five million. Right. But what if two years go by and nobody wants to buy it for more than that? The most that somebody's willing to pay for it is two million. That's still a a dip in your value, just like a stock. So I think a lot of people know that, like, even though it's a lot of money for a rich person, five million for someone like Rihanna, five million dollars is not is nothing. So, you know, uh, having it's not it's not about making the money for someone like that. I think that they would be like, this is a great technology, a great opportunity. I could get richer through Mm -hmm. it. But I also know that this means that this is serious. And if I want to maintain the, the or continue building the brand that I have, I have to do it seriously. Uh, and, no, so I think it's good to get <laughs> it's, it's good back. to get in early. I think we're in the first inning, second inning. Of like, I, yes. I think the metaverse is going to be expansive and that's a whole other topic we should do some other day. Um, oh, we're yeah. like in the first inning, second inning. So What's, what's going to happen? So you mentioned 50 to 100K, which I want to talk to you about in a moment because I think I can get you there on some mm-hmm. other projects if you want. But like, a, look, there's there's a, there's a, it's going to be saturated. This market is going to be saturated because it's actually an easier access, to, you know, the, in lower barriers to entry uh, than other things. Um, so I think it's gonna be a, we're going to be saturated NFTs because people know how easy it is to create them, right? I'm looking at a company right now, mm-hmm. Minty, that actually you can trade it. It looks like an Instagram, like posting on Instagram. It's the same kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Slide it through and then you basically mint it and then boom, you post it. And then they're trying to create their community mm-hmm. so then they can help each other, you know, create a network effect and add value. Um, that, that's where it's at. So get out there. I think if you people who can make their money right now uh, and got some cool cultural to them, get in there and kind of set the tone because uh, then it's going to be just continue to get inundated. There might be other plays, but that's going to be the interesting thing to see, to watch. Um, I've kept you for a while. I appreciate it. Yeah. Why don't you give us like a book or a movie, whatever it is, man, that you're reading that, you know, that you like, <laughs> that you think is like, I'm going to ask you two things. Give us a recommendation. Okay. But now that you're, you know, um, I'm not going to, you already told us your age and I wouldn't have asked, but let's say 10 years ago, you knew you're like, you're like 15 years ago, whatever. Um, or you're, let's say you told your mm-hmm. 18 or 20 year old self. Okay. Now that you know that this is the world we're in and where it's going. And now you have a really good, cause mm-hmm. guess what? A year ago, we weren't really talking about the metaverse that much. It's been around since 2003 and video games a little bit, but not because of blockchain is scaling like hell, like crazy. Um, right. So we weren't talking about it like we were a year, you know, like this a year or two ago. What would you tell that person that you're, 18 or 20 year old self, hey, to help you prep for what's coming, because it's a beautiful thing coming. What would I tell my 18 or 20 year old self? Like a skill to pick up or something. I would say be who you are, trust yourself. Um, and I would say focus, uh, I would say, hmm, like a skill. I would say to <laughs> 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 focus, on, focus on figuring out how to get the best out of people. Okay. I right? love it. Like how to get, 
how to get people to be their best selves. I think that as a business owner and having to develop um, talent and ha- and build a team. And as a, when you're building a startup, you don't always have the ability to hire the qu- quote unquote most qualified or like, like, yeah, the, the most qualified experts, yeah. quote unquote. Um, you have to hire people that are more junior or that are willing to mm-hmm. learn. And so I think, uh, I think, you know, that that's a part of like the startup struggle. And, and then I'm learning as well. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know. And I'm like, just trying to figure it out. So, um, so yeah, I think like, I think being able to like cultivate the best out of people is, is something I wish I started studying. I sooner. love that. That's great. And then, you know, like you said, you gave a price point around 50 to hundred K to develop a six month project, which would maybe drop like 5,000 to 10,000, uh, you know, a good, okay, project. good project. That's okay. So let's, yes. that's not as unattainable as, so I'll tell you why. So, and I'm, I'm putting this out there cause there's gonna be thousands of people that listen to this and hopefully they get in beautiful. So for angel investors, so in the venture community, it's a little higher check that they write, but like in the angel community, if you're looking to invest in a company that's typically pre-product, right? Uh, you know, they're writing $25,000, $50,000 checks because they believe in the person um, or and the idea, but nothing is there for them, not tangible for them to touch yet. Why not get behind one of these projects? Because, you know, in, if you're getting in, in a startup, in a tech play, let's say, or a healthcare startup, you're going to have to wait five, seven, eight years potentially to see any of your money unless you tap out when the venture money comes in and collect some of your your returns. That's that's one way. Why not look at some of these NFT? Now that I know it's 50 to 100K, because that's one thing I wanted to hear from you, what the number is. And that, that's actually... Let's talk, man. <laughs> let's talk. That's let's, what? You and I, let's talk. Because <laughs> uh, I, I want to see this space yeah. blow up and I, I'm in a good way. I love what's happening yeah. and I think there's just a great way and there's so much community that's coming from this and 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 it's really globalizing us, right? Even more, right? Uh, so I love it. I love it. Let's chat after this then because this is not an unattainable space. Yeah, no, it, it, it's not. It, it's real. It's really about understanding how it works. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been doing is assessing, analyzing, getting kind of the inside scoop yeah. on different projects and, and crunching the numbers. And now we're like, okay, we, we think we figured it out and we know how much we need to raise to be able to pull off a su- like successful projects one after the other. Okay. I love it. Iris Nevins, I appreciate you for coming through. You're just great. I love it. I want, I'm going to continue to hear about your success. Rob Richardson, thank you for thank, thank you. you for coming through. And Athul Prasher signing off. Thank you. <laughs>